You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. Don't struggle to align your organization's cybersecurity with business risk. Get the only solution that goes beyond reacting to threats with vulnerability and risk monitoring. You need the next evolution of MDR, and only Critical Start delivers it. Critical Start doesn't just monitor and respond to threats. They put you in control by detecting suspicious activities, quickly responding to contained threats, and identifying your most critical assets and protecting them against vulnerabilities and exposures. With continuous visibility, expert guidance, and measurable risk reduction, Critical Start has redefined what it means to manage cyber risk. Demonstrate provable security maturity to your leadership while positioning your program to achieve the greatest risk reduction per dollar spent. Stop fearing risk and start managing it with Critical Start. Visit criticalstart.com and request a demo today. That's criticalstart.com. Ukraine claims to have taken down a massive Russian bot farm. Russian cyber operations may have been premature. A report says emergency alert systems might be vulnerable to hijacking. The Mirai botnet may have a descendant. Adam Flatley from Redacted with a look back at NotPetya. Ryan Windham from Imperva takes on bad bots. Attacks on a cryptocurrency exchange attempt to bypass 2FA. And Solana cryptocurrency wallets have been looted. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Thursday, August 4th, 2022. The Security Service of Ukraine says it dismantled a large Russian botnet operation that was being used to spread Russian propaganda and disinformation. The bots, about a million strong, were herded from locations within Ukraine itself, bleeping computer reports. Their output took the form of social media posts from inauthentic accounts associated with fictitious persona. The SSU described the operation, stating, To spin destabilizing content, perpetrators administered over one million of their own bots and numerous groups in social networks with an audience of almost 400,000 users. In the course of a multi-stage special operation, the SSU exposed the leader of this criminal group. He is a Russian citizen who has lived in Kyiv and positioned himself as a political expert. On the other side of the information war, Bleeping Computer also reported earlier this week that Ukrainian hacktivists, torrents of truth, were bundling instructions on how to bypass Russian censorship into movie torrents, whose intended audience would be Russian viewers. CNN reports that the U.S. Federal Emergency Management Agency, that's FEMA, part of the U.S. Department of Homeland Security, has warned that its emergency alert system could be vulnerable to cyber attacks that would enable the attacker to broadcast bogus messages. CNN quoted Mark Lucero, chief engineer for Integrated Public Alert and Warning System, 
of which the EAS is a part, saying, A cybersecurity researcher provided FEMA with compelling evidence to suggest certain unpatched and unsecured EAS devices are indeed vulnerable. The agency this week urged operators of the devices to update their software to address the issue, saying that the false alerts could in theory be issued over TV, radio, and cable networks. The advisory did not say that alerts sent over text messages were affected. There is no evidence that malicious hackers have exploited the vulnerabilities. EAS is the national system, familiar to the television and radio audience in the U.S., that will interrupt programmings with warnings about severe weather and other hazards. It's also used to communicate amber alert notices of child abductions. Fortigard Labs has been tracking RapperBot, which it describes as a rapidly evolving IoT malware family, since mid-June. Yesterday, the researchers published an update on the current state of the malware, which makes heavy use of old Mirai botnet source code. RapperBot departs from its ancestors in its built-in capability to brute-force credentials and gain access to SSH servers. Mirai had exploited Telnet. Indeed, the brute force capability seems to be RapperBot's core functionality, as it has only limited potential as a distributed denial-of-service tool. RapperBot's operators, whoever they are, seem more interested in establishing persistence in compromised systems than they are in propagating to other systems. And the malware's DDoS potential, which the researchers say was removed and restored, may be there as a form of misdirection. What the operators are after is unclear. Fortigard Labs says that the motives of RapperBot's masters remain unclear. In the meantime, Fortigard Labs offers some advice for mitigation, saying, Regardless, since its primary propagation method is brute-forcing SSH credentials, this threat can easily be mitigated by setting strong passwords for devices or disabling password authentication for SSH where possible. Akamai reports that attacks on online gaming companies have more than doubled over the past year. The company this morning released its study, Gaming Respond, detailing the current state of online gaming and the pervasive threats that target the industry. Researchers discovered that COVID lockdowns resulted in a large increase in gaming and that this increase seems unlikely to fall off. Akamai recorded 250 terabits per second of game download traffic in April of this year. Cyber attacks on gaming companies and player accounts have also increased dramatically, with web application and API attacks representing the largest category of attacks overall. Cloud-based gaming is coming into its own and has widened gaming companies' attack surface. DDoS attacks are pervasive in a sector that prizes immediate availability and these have increased by 5% in the last year. Gaming has retained its place atop the industry leaderboard, providing the target for some 36% of all DDoS traffic. And finally, approximately 9,000 cryptocurrency wallets attached to the Solana blockchain ecosystem have been robbed of at least $4 million in total, The Verge reports. Solana says the attack has been linked to accounts using the Slope mobile wallet app. Slope is still investigating and said in a statement, We recommend all Slope users do the following. Create a new and unique seed phrase wallet and transfer all assets to this new wallet. Again, we do not recommend using the same seed phrase on this new wallet that you had on Slope. 
If you are using a hardware wallet, your keys have not been compromised. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. We recently passed the fifth anniversary of the NotPetya pseudo-ransomware attack, which targeted Ukrainian companies but spilled over and crippled global organizations like Maersk and FedEx. When the war in Ukraine began earlier this year, security folks couldn't help wondering if another round of NotPetya-like malware might be unleashed on the world. For perspective on where we stand today, I checked in with Adam Flatley, Director of Threat Intelligence at Redacted. So, you know, the the biggest reason why NotPetya spread so far and so fast was that the the settings for um for lateral movement were completely unconstrained by the threat actor. And what that allowed them to do was to ride VPNs out of Ukraine for companies that had connections into Ukraine and then they hit essentially completely flat networks that was able to not only spread in the the direct connection that was connected to Ukraine, but also all over the world in these company networks. So the the biggest mitigations that people have started putting in place are actually segmenting your network properly from a general networking standpoint, but then also looking at connections into various countries as having different levels of risk. And I think that's really important because connections into some places are more dangerous than others. And so you can put additional mitigations in place covering the high risk areas. Can we dig into that a little bit? I mean, specifically, what are you talking about here? Let's say, you know, we have a a multinational corporation and they have a network connection that lands into a portion of their company that is in Canada and a portion of their company that is in a country that is suddenly becoming a war zone like Ukraine. Connections coming out of Canada are going to be lower risk than ones coming out of a country that is actively being hit with cyber attacks. Um, Mm. Multiple wipers were released in Ukraine and and some still continue to be uh, released in, in Ukraine now. And so that's, that changes the risk profile of anything that you still have connected to that area 
you monitor them differently. You look at the telemetry more thoroughly. Um, you lock down permissions even further so that you're basically balancing your, uh, your ease of operability with you know, the proper strategic security measures for each area. Do you suppose that it's possible for something like NotPetya to happen today, given what we learned from the first round? Absolutely. Um, I, I think that while, while many companies have learned the lesson, and like I said, like they were aggressively coming to us asking for help uh, when the Ukraine war started to help make sure that, that they were thinking the right way about protecting themselves— I think there's an an equal number that still have never thought of it. So um, I'm sure that if if the Russians decided to take the current constraints off of the wipers that they're using now and just unleash them in Ukraine unbridled like they did before, I'm I'm quite sure many multinational corporations would go down just as hard. Yeah, I mean it's a, it's a fascinating thing to think about, isn't it? I mean, I suppose to some degree, uh, diplomacy still holds sway here, right? It, it does. And, and there's, it's very complicated as well because in the original NotPetya attack, I am convinced that the Russians knew that it was going to go outside of Ukraine. And mm. they weren't just targeting Ukraine to try and disrupt their economy, but they also wanted to basically punish any Western corporation that was doing business with Ukraine to try and drive them away from Ukraine because it would be too risky to operate there. And when you look at the way that the propagation settings were set up in NotPetya, it could literally go as far and wide as the network existed. Um, there, was, there, was nothing, there was nothing set in there holding back how many hops it could take, for example. But if you look at the wipers that the Russians are releasing in Ukraine now, they are set at a very constrained setting. Um, Like one or two hops is the most I've ever seen in any of the wipers that were released in Ukraine. So they're definitely intentionally trying to to keep it, it localized. And, you know, the politics are different now. There's a war going on. There are sanctions in place. Um, NATO is expanding. Uh, and as much as the Russians like to bluster, I think they're very reluctant to actually draw NATO into this conflict. Um, and so they're most likely holding back on something that would cause like a worldwide cyber attack like they did before uh, out of caution to just not give NATO an excuse to fully engage in this conflict. So do you suppose that that not Petya was a case of... Uh I don't know, recklessness or disregard for where this might go or, or was it calculated? Honestly, I think it was calculated. Um, Russian doctrine essentially leads them down the path of escalation until someone stops you. That's sort of how they test their boundaries. And over, over the past, you know, 10 years, the Russians have been doing more and more bold things in cyberspace and nobody has done anything about it. There have been no real repercussions against them. And so they kept pushing the limit and pushing the limit, pause, see if anyone would react. Nobody did anything. They pushed a little further and harder. And I think NotPetya was done out of, you know, a a calculated risk assessment on their side that the West wasn't going to do anything to them. And 
you know what? They were right. Not that yet happened. Multi-billion dollar corporations were affected. Millions and millions of dollars lost. And nothing. No repercussions for Russia. That's Adam Flatley from Redacted. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. The team at security firm Imperva recently released the latest version of their Bad Bots report, looking at bot traffic on the Internet in 2021. Ryan Windham is vice president of application security at Imperva. Yeah, so, you know, unfortunately, the problem isn't getting any better. Um, In 2021, uh, we saw that bad bots accounted for a record-setting 27.7% of all global website traffic. Um, So, you know, that's roughly, you know, almost a third of all global website traffic is is, uh, being generated by bots. Um, So a huge toll on you know, the, the internet at large on society, um, on these application uh, vendors and on, on customers. Um, and, you know, of those bad bots, we saw a rise in what we call evasive bad bots. Um, so those made up about 65.6% of all bad bot traffic. So these are uh, what we call both, you know, moderate and advanced bad bots that use uh really sophisticated methods to try to avoid detection. So they'll do things like, you know, cycling through uh, random IP addresses. Um, They'll come in through anonymous proxies or um, services that are known as residential proxies. Um, They'll change their identities. Um, They'll mimic human behavior to evade detection. So definitely seeing a lot more of these more um, sophisticated uh, bots. You know, one of the other big things that we've, uh, we saw in 20. Uh, 21 was a rise in uh, what's called ATO attacks or account takeover attacks. And so these are attacks where bots will attempt to, um, you know, as it sounds, uh, take over users' accounts. And so they'll be trying to get access to financial information or other uh, personal information because maybe they want to commit um, identity fraud or maybe steal um you know, loyalty points or that sort of thing. So these were on the rise. They were about uh, 148% up over the prior year. Now, when you talk about some of these advanced bots that you all are tracking here, do you have any sense for how successful they are? I mean, you're detecting them, right? Yeah, so we um, were detecting them. And um, in many cases, we uh, were stopping them. In most cases, we're stopping them. Um, you know, we can't speak for um, kind of the, the internet at, at, at large, um, but uh, certainly the attacks that we see, um, we're offering uh, protection against them. And I think, you know, what makes these bot attacks 
um, so difficult to protect against is you know, if you think about kind of traditional vulnerabilities, uh, you know, hackers are essentially exploiting, say, a, a code vulnerability. But in the case of bots, um, you know, there's really no code being exploited. They're actually just coming in and taking advantage of what uh, we call a business logic layer attack or an application layer attack. So essentially they're using the application the way that a regular user would use it, um, except they're, uh, uh, they're doing it at scale uh, with the intent to commit, uh, to commit fraud or abuse. So, uh, you know, I encourage listeners to look at, you know, getting some specific, um, you know, bot protection solutions in front of their application architecture if they don't have it already. What are you seeing in terms of who they're uh, focused on attacking? Or are there any particular verticals that they're going after here? Yeah, so great, great question. Um, you know, the account takeover attacks, we actually saw, um, you know, be a pretty cross the board horizontal um, attack type. Um, but then we did see, uh, you know, financial services certainly uh, stood out um, as being uh, one that's often attacked as well as uh, travel vertical and retail. And, you know, the reasons, I guess, are, are pretty obvious, just there's higher um, higher stakes involved, um, typically financial uh, gains to be had um, in these in these industries. You know, one thing that caught my eye here was um, in the report, you all pointed out that a lot of these bots will uh, disguise themselves as mobile web browsers. Um, and you you pointed out that uh, mobile Safari was popular because of Apple's increased privacy settings. It makes them harder to detect. That's an interesting response. That's right. So uh, as you were mentioning, Apple rolled out some enhanced privacy settings last year, and you know those are intended to prevent you know advertisers or others um, from tracking you across sites, uh, but it also creates uh, additional protections for bot operators to uh, masquerade behind. Um, So it makes it more difficult for technology uh, that is attempting to block bots uh, from actually being able to to track them and identify them. So you have to get more uh, more creative with your uh, detection techniques. So uh, mobile user agents were a popular disguise for bad bot traffic in 2021. They accounted for more than a third of all internet traffic, which was up uh, from 28.1% in 2020. So what are the take-homes here? I mean, in terms of recommendations for organizations to best protect themselves here, what do you all recommend? Yeah, so the impact from bots is uh, pretty cross-functional and pretty strategic, Uh, can create Revenue loss increases potential for customer churn. Uh, there's skewed metrics, especially when you think about um, you know content and price scraping that takes place. That uh, uh, you know where, where where bots come in and effectively look at content, scrape it, but don't uh, close a transaction um, that's going to skew your metrics. Um, so it's really a, a cross-functional problem, um, one that uh, that everyone needs to be aware of in terms of. You know how to protect against them. I think you know it's important to look for any increases in traffic um, that are uh, out of the ordinary. Um, you know, oftentimes uh, these will come in as uh, you know high high rates of, of traffic. Uh, the other is to uh, you know think about um, putting in place a specific solution that's intended to uh, block bots um, going beyond just your traditional web application firewall that may um, look more at 
you know, rules or signature-based uh, detection. It's something that takes into account behavior and can use uh, dynamic machine learning and other advanced techniques to you know, monitor this, this traffic and identify malicious, uh, malicious behavior. That's Ryan Windham from Imperva. that's the CyberWire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. The CyberWire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Trey Hester, Brendan Karp, Eliana White, Peru Prakash, Justin Sabi, Liz Irvin, Rachel Gelfin, Kim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. here. At N2K CyberWire, we're dedicated to continuously improving the quality of the news and commentary on our network. That's why we're inviting you to participate in our 2024 audience survey. It only takes a few minutes and your feedback is invaluable. Plus, you'll have the chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card as a thank you for your time. Head on over to cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey to share your feedback now. And now a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.